0: How does anyone censor something abstract and intangible? Something that can consist of an arrangement of numbers and letters and can be transported via any medium? What do you do? Ban pen and paper? Phone calls and the spoken word? Smoke signals? Morse code? To what end? The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan and this is Bitcoin Audible. what is up guys welcome back to bitcoin audible are you trying to censor bitcoin are you trying to stop bitcoin transactions because if you are you are going to have, to have a hell of a difficult time we got an awesome piece by Grubels. uh this is actually one that i stumbled upon like it feels like a million years ago now but i guess it was probably in october of 2019 since this is when it was written um, and, uh, it was actually buried way down in my thing and somehow it came back to my attention. Uh, and, uh, like I said, it's, uh, by Grubles and, um, it's about censoring, uh, Bitcoin and, or the futility of attempting to do so. Uh, so I figured this would be, uh, this would be a good one to hit and it got voted up on bitcoinaudible.com slash vote. So we bumped it up to the, to the top of my list. Um, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and get into it in just a second. Uh, huge thank you to our sponsors, SwanBitcoin.com. Add slash guy on the end if you're starting your savings account, your automatic Bitcoin savings plan, stack sats every day, every week, every month, whatever it is, and lowest fees in the biz, and it does it automatically. Uh, that slash guy though gets you $10 in sats free to start you off, and then our other wonderful sponsor. Shift Crypto with the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Open source, secure, and it just looks good. It is just an awesome little hardware wallet and uh, it's really good for people who are actually new to the space uh, because, I I don't know, to me, it's just a really intuitive wallet. Uh, Don't forget coupon code GUY, G-U-Y. That gets you 5% off uh, everything in their store. And they got a lot of other great stuff too, so check that out. So with that, Let's go ahead and jump into today's read. Again, by Grubles and or at not Grubles on Twitter. And it is titled, One does not simply censor Bitcoin by Grubles. How does anyone censor something abstract and intangible? Something that can consist of an arrangement of numbers and letters and can be transported via any medium. What do you do? Ban pen and paper? Phone calls and the spoken word? Smoke signals? Morse code? To what end? What about the electronic transmission of this data that can be hidden in other data, like images or music? You're going to ban music and puppy pictures? You're not going to ban Bitcoin, so just give up. Being able to effectively censor Bitcoin means monitoring and potentially jamming all means of communication in every nation and jurisdiction. A task so insurmountable and so tyrannical to engage in that it is unlikely to be successful. With simple tools, users can hide block hashes and transaction data within images, text documents, practically anything. With easily accessible tools available today, it would be impossible to keep Bitcoin transactions or block hashes from being transported or otherwise transmitted electronically. If you can encode block hashes and transactions into human words, there is little you can do to keep them from being communicated. Tweet from Grubles at notgrubles. Need to sneak transport a Bitcoin transaction but don't want anyone to know what it is? Run the raw transaction through this Python script to generate human-readable words instead of hex for posting on Twitter, message boards, satellite, etc. Link to the Python script on GitHub. In fact, I'm working on a service where you can call 1833 833 blk and leave a voicemail of a raw transaction encoded into English words. The service will then decode the message back into Hexadecimal and broadcast it to the Bitcoin network for you. Other services can provide Bitcoin data like the now defunct Crypto Radio, a service that broadcasted Bitcoin data from a terrestrial radio tower. Amateur Radio also provides the means for users to broadcast transactions via open, unlicensed radio frequencies. With cheap satellite TV hardware, it is possible to discreetly receive a Bitcoin transaction sent from across the globe using Blockstream Satellite. Even during internet blackouts, Q-band radio is still being beamed down. Broadcast transactions outbound with mesh networking hardware like a Gotenna mesh unit. Services like Blockstream's satellite API service allow anyone to broadcast pieces of data to a global coverage area. The data is then also relayed to social media, such as Telegram or Twitter, via bots like at SatNode2 or SatNode. Initial block downloads can be done via sneaker net or flash drive airdrop if needed. Fly a drone over an area and drop the USB sticks with the Bitcoin block data and other appropriate subversive software. Illegal number evil. How do you truly criminalize numbers? Bitcoin is intangible and isn't physically stored anywhere. Well, technically, all Bitcoins are stored on all nodes, but users only have the ability to record changes of ownership to the Bitcoins they control. So what does it mean to actually enforce a ban on the possession of Bitcoin? Think about it. It's made even more ridiculous with the advent of mnemonics and seeds. While not necessarily recommended, it is possible to memorize the seed to a wallet and leave no physical or electronic trace of Bitcoin possession. A ban on Bitcoin is purely symbolic and impossible to enforce in practice. A related example of this is the case of the first illegal number. 13 undecillion, 256 decillion, 278 nonillion, 887 octillion 989 septillion 457 sextillion 651 quintillion 18 quadrillion 865 trillion 901 billion 401 million 704,640. Yes, this is an illegal number. You're a criminal now that you've seen it, and you should be ashamed of yourself. A stern letter is being written about this heinous crime, and you will be mailed shortly. Back in 2001, this 128-bit number used in DVD and Blu-ray encryption was discovered and allowed users to decrypt and back up discs they legally purchased. Because discs suck and are easily scratched, and when they get scratched, you have to buy another disc. Ridiculous. There was a decent amount of controversy around the dissemination of this number, and it led to a few cease-and-desist letters being sent to websites and news media organizations that displayed the number. You were not allowed to see this number or write it down. Because number bad! Ultimately, no one was charged or arrested for discovering or publishing the number, because, well, it's just a number. Gee whiz. While this example is not relevant to Bitcoin custody entirely, It shows that this sort of information outlawing has a certain absurdity and impracticality to it. Maths are bad. This one is easiest to explain. Mining cannot be banned because to ban mining is to ban mathematics itself. Not that it is quick or easy, but you can hash SHA-256D by hand if you want. Miners can simply pack up and leave to relatively remote regions and live off renewable energy sources if governments are stupid enough to ban mining. Mining can be discreet if hardware is split between different warehouses, and Blockstream Satellite can provide a downlink to keep hardware working on the latest published block. If a block is found locally, it can be broadcasted by any of the technology mentioned before in this post. The only detectable things... Our energy usage, heat, or maybe noise. So that's the gist of it. Censoring Bitcoin, no, I mean actually engaging in a sustained censorship of Bitcoin, is incredibly impractical. And that concludes this short piece by Groobles. Let's hit our sponsor really quick and I want to do a short guy's take on this one. You know, if I was trying to escape a totalitarian regime and capital controls, I could I could probably fit the BitBox up my butt. You know, if you're holding an uncensorable asset, then you're going to want it on the most secure of hardware wallets. And the BitBox O2 is just going to do that for you. But if it really comes down to it, you could also stick it up your butt. You know, it's kind of got like soft edges or something like the ledger has like really sharp corners. That's not cool. You don't want to mess with that. Plus, you get 5% off if you use the discount code GUY. So, that's another advantage specifically for the Bitbox. Now, if I had to escape with my Bitcoin, I would probably go for trying to memorize my seed phrase or maybe just like swallow the micro SD card backup with my Bitbox or something like that. That would be a lot easier. But in complete honesty, if I was forced to choose one of my hardware wallets to stick up my butt, it would probably be the BitBox. I mean, I'm not going to. You know, maybe that's your thing, no judgment. Uh, But in truth, you know, the BitBox is not meant for that. You should really just kind of keep it in your safe, but it's a good wallet. BitBox, not for your butt. This is the beautiful thing about the nature of something that is purely information is, you know, a a transaction is, what, like 200-ish bytes? Thinking that you're going to censor that, that you're going to prevent that amount of information from propagating somewhere is basically nonsense. In the age of, of being able to encode or decode or encrypt, the amount of information tools and avenues for communication that we have available to us are nearly limitless from a practical standpoint. And this is the beauty of Bitcoin, right? This is why the monetary base layer, going back to what I was talking about in uh, what was it, guides take 45 on how to think about scaling, is that this is about designing a system that works in the absolute worst case scenario that is so hardened, that is so impossible to censor, that is so impossible to stop at any border when we're talking about the base layer, that it is essentially unstoppable money. And on top of that, you can build new information networks. You can build things like the Lightning Network. I've wasted the last hour just stacking (laughs) stacking sats on the Lightning Network because of a stupid thread on Twitter right now and I've literally recorded like, I don't know, 15 or 20 videos uh, of me uh, buying $5 or $10 or whatever it is on strike and sending it to uh, my lightning wallet. Now, notice I didn't actually do any on-chain transactions for any of that. It's like, I think it totaled about 300 bucks or so at the end of all this. But all I needed was to get the size of a Lightning payment through the HTLC and the signed transaction, and I was able to receive that payment. And you can actually do that over the Blockstream satellite that Grubel talks about in this article. Um, and oh, b- by the way, uh, thanks to everyone who voted this up to uh, on bitcoinaudible.com slash vote uh, to make it uh, the top of the list. Um, this is a fun one, It's a, it was kind of a short article, but it really is an awesome topic and a lot of people tend to think that, oh, you can just turn this thing off, or oh, you can just stop people from being able to transact because why? You know, it seems like it's just a network. Oh, can't can't you just like flip the switch and cut it off? But um and I <laughs> I love the uh the um oh, what was it? Uh, where is it? One eight three three block hash the the phone number of being able to code it into um a bunch of yeah there it is 1833 block hash um uh so you can read a transaction uh through just like reading a bunch of words uh into a phone and have them broadcast it for you that is actually really clever i would probably do that just for the novelty of it but again back to the point uh the point i was trying to make of keeping the monetary base agile is that the less data it has to deal with like if we could reasonably do all of the transactions that we would need to on like a hundred kilobyte blocks and that there was some epic super efficient way to scale this thing with that it would be worth it to knock it down to a hundred kilobyte blocks because then the amount that would actually need to be synced to have a full node having that low of a data footprint to confirm the monetary base, to confirm the consensus rules and audit the entire monetary system would be amazing. Now, I don't think we can do that. I think there's pretty explicit trade-offs even now with 1 megabyte or 1.5 megabytes, whatever the average is these days. But that is directly relevant to how difficult it is to stop the Bitcoin network from operating. How easy it is to... Prevent consensus from being uh, from being global to split it between some jurisdiction or across the firewall. Or um, can this thing run over Tor even while Tor is being uh, Tor is being attacked and while the Great Firewall of China blocks the port number, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a way to get that information through and for the network to continue to be global and distributed and for that amount of information? The relevant information needed to secure and stay in consensus with a monetary base, can that be stopped or not? Now I kinda want to um try out his little Python uh a little Python script for encoding a transaction, just kinda for the hell of it. Um uh sounds like it's fun and I've never I've never actually done it. So I don't know, it seems like I should I should have done all the Bitcoin things, <laughs> um, and uh, he also links to actually there's like a bunch of examples actually that I didn't really get to mention in the thing. Like for instance, he has a uh, picture when he mentions that you can uh, what was it steg, steg- stegan- steganography steganography I think I think that's how you pronounce it um, is that you can hide information in an image just with slightly tweaked uh, pixels or arbitrary data put in and only with exactly the information or knowing how to get the information out of it can you then recreate that information. Um, and uh, <laughs> he's got a picture a picture of an obnoxiously adorable little puppy on there and says that there's a billion dollars in Bitcoin embedded in the image. And there could be. There could be. That's how easy it is to get information. You could, you could uh, hold a private key. In there, you could, uh, you could have a signed transaction ready to go. Uh, let's say you're in some crazy totalitarian government that shuts down the internet. Uh, you can take it, any, any local machine, uh, with a couple of software tools or, like he said, just memorize it. You know, Memorizing a handful of words is not that difficult. I mean, you certainly want to make sure you know them by heart, but you can carry any amount of money. Behind that piece of information, the information itself is the value. It is purely informational. Um, and uh, there's a great NVK uh, 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 Novak from um, uh, Cold Card and uh, Coinkite uh, did a. Uh, I didn't actually look up everything that happened with this, but they did. It's through the through the snowstorm. Uh, it was apparently during a snowstorm, but it was February of last year, and they did this a couple of times. But over low band radio, uh, they sent, uh, ham, you know, over ham radio, they broadcast transactions over, I think it was, what is it? Where is it? Seven megahertz. Um, and somebody swept the relevant, I think they, I guess they did a, uh, just an address, and they broadcast the private key, and somebody swept it in, what was it Michigan? Oh, it was a brain wallet. It was a brain wallet. Yeah. So they, technically, they're broadcasting the private key, but it was sent from Toron- Toronto to uh, Michigan uh, over 7 megahertz uh, ham radio. Then you got something like the uh, Global Mesh Labs guys building the Gotenna and being able to broadcast. Uh, Transactions that way, which goes for miles. And they're right now working on, I cannot remember off the top of my head, we had him on the show to talk about this, but I can't remember the name of the network uh, protocol. And I really hope things are going well over there. I actually haven't kept up with it in quite some time. They're working on a protocol to basically allow you to route information, to route packets through a mesh network and you would pay for it via Lightning. So you would pay a couple of SATs to route this packet through the mesh network, and even if you could not find a proper route or get out through the main internet, that you could basically hang a payment out there waiting for someone to come and fulfill that need. So essentially, in the same sense that you throw a payment out into the mempool, kind of, and put a fee on it to encourage or entice a miner to come grab your payment and confirm it or hash it into a block on the blockchain, that you could essentially do the same thing in a sense with the mesh network. You could actually fund this decentralized infrastructure, which has always been the problem with the mesh networks, right? Is It's always a hobby. It's just a hobbyist thing. So if you cannot monetize it, there's no way to build out robust infrastructure. It's always going to be something that inherently is short-lived or very temporary. And maybe that doesn't work, but I think there's a lot of promising stuff there. And the as long as we can keep the base layer low uh, or, or low bandwidth, low cost, Then the more avenues as time goes on, as technology gets better, this thing gets more and more and more difficult to censor or stop in any way, shape, or form. And that is one thing that I think so many people miss is that they're like, oh, the internet can handle more data. Why don't we just pack it full? You realize if we're stretching this thing to the limit, if we're already reaching or or trying to max out what we can accomplish today then the ability for this thing to recover, the ability for consensus and the network to recover from a disaster or from some sort of bug or from half the network nodes crashing and going offline becomes increasingly less and less likely. That cost gets higher and higher until maybe there's only one or two major avenues. Maybe it's only over broadband like hardline connection. Maybe it's only over fiber that you can actually maintain a full node, then how easy does this thing become to censor? If the progression of technology and the added bandwidth and the new capabilities of and the new variety in networks and connections and types of communication avenues, if that doesn't add to our decentralization, if it doesn't add to the robustness, resiliency, and the security of the underlying network, then are we getting any value from that? like as a, like from the context of bitcoin bitcoin's not more secure if it can't utilize those things therefore it seems critical to me that we should make sure that we're under we are undershooting moore's law or whatever progression we think is going to be there so that no matter what we are gaining in the ability to stay in consensus we are gaining decentralization and the added distribution of the network and more nodes and more users and more avenues in which we can communicate uh, the necessary information so that transactions can't be censored, so that the blockchain can't be censored, so that we can mine in the middle of nowhere, plugged into a couple of solar panels in on a mountaintop somewhere where nobody has a clue where we are. If that's not getting better over time then you realize we've reached the point at which Bitcoin is the most decentralized it's ever going to be. I don't want to think that. I don't want that to be the case. I want it to get more decentralized. I want it to get more secure and more independent. I want every damn person who has enough hard drive space to run a node. I want it to be incredibly useful and easy to run a node. I want them to have tons of different benefits. I want it to be like Git Umbral. I want them to just plug it in, install something, and then boom, they have all of these benefits. Like I want it to be like a router in everybody's house. You have a router to connect to the internet and establish a connection into this broad communications network. I want us to have a secure hardware device that runs our lightning node, our little banking, a private banking and payment network, and that you you plug it in so that you can connect to the world of finance and that you run your own shit. It is your node, it is your keys, it is your lightning, it's your payment processor, and you can use other custodians or other services if you want, but you have a secure stored device in your house that is your hub for all things Bitcoin and banking. And I don't think that's out of the question. I don't even think that's like a huge stretch. Maybe it's a little obnoxious, but if you look back 20 years, 25 years, and you said everybody was going to buy a $200 device with a bunch of big freaking antennas on it and a $1,000 computer to stick in their room just so that they can connect to the internet, everybody would be like, you're crazy. Nobody's going to do that. If the internet isn't just easy to use and just plugged in, then who's going to do that? Nobody's going to pay all this money for these devices. But the amount of value given to the users who were able to connect to the internet, the, the sheer capacity of collaboration, the vast number of new services and social groups and niches and products and everything that you could possibly think of that you got the benefit of by being connected to the internet, suddenly it made sense for all of those costs. Suddenly all of those costs were actually savings on all the crap you used to get to serve all those purposes. And now all you need is a router and a computer. I genuinely think that that future is not at all impossible for Bitcoin. That the amount of benefit that you would get from having a full node, the security, and the number of services and products and collaborative institutions, insurance without an actual insurance company that's a giant multi-sig with escrow connected to adjusters, whatever the hell it is, and the ability to hold your own keys, the beauty of that, and the reason why I think that value could be orders of magnitude greater than what even centralized services can provide is that they can do regulatory arbitrage is that if it's non-custodial service, if it's something like Shadow Chain or liquidity, like the liquidity pool uh, uh, marketplace, is that you are essentially connecting to a financial service without needing any of the financial regulation because it's not custodial? When you can route around all of that crap, when you can route around KYC, when you can route route around all of the overhead of managing these companies and the compliance for thousands, tens of thousands of regulatory pages of bullshit that require a license in every single state what's the value of that? What can those services and institutions provide to their customers with a multi-sig contract with escrow and the ability for every customer to exit at any moment, what can they provide that a centralized institution that does have to meet all that red tape cannot? And what's the value of that after you get 10 years of development and people figuring out exactly what those business models and what that programmatic, that that application interface actually feels or looks like? Once we work out all those kinks, once we get the thing to feel natural and uh, operate the way one would expect it to do so, where um, and we'll talk about this actually probably in tomorrow's episode, Um, but CoinOS, where something like the Liquid sidechain, where the Lightning Network, or where Bitcoin suddenly actually behave exactly the same. That they're all in one app, and you don't actually know the difference between which one. You just see a variation on fees and the speed of the transaction, and you pick accordingly, based on, do I want this super secure? Do I want this fast? Uh, Do I want this private? And your wallet simply picks the best option, and nobody in the world can censor it because it's just two hundred bytes of data, and you can stick it anywhere. You can put it in. I think it was Andreas Antonopoulos that um, really early on, when people were talking about censoring Bitcoin, uh, he encoded transactions into uh, into a bunch of emojis, and he went like tweet them out. Um, I mean, just. It, the idea of censoring Bitcoin, I think, is. I mean, he. I mean, he said it. it said it's like you, you know, read six-minute articles. Is that's the gist of it. Actually, engaging in a sustained censorship of Bitcoin is incredibly impractical. Um, and this was just a a great little article on that topic. Uh, Grubles is an awesome follow. If you don't, if you don't know them, he, he's at not Grubels. Um, uh, on uh, on Twitter, I'll have the handle. Uh, he's uh, over at the Blockstream team, so I'll have the link to this piece in the show notes if you want to drop some applause on it. Oh, I'm not logged in, so I can't even applause it. Also, Blockstream has a, a new satellite kit that's like a, it's a flat, um, uh, it's just like a like a panel satellite receiver, which is apparently actually even. Better at receiving the signal than the actual dish, which is surprising but also awesome. Um, I've been thinking of getting it. I'm not even sure. I'm, I'm sure they're probably sold out of their first batch. Um, but uh, I've been kind of dragging my feet on the whole satellite thing for a while. Uh, but I think it. I think it's probably time. I have the link to that one if you want to jump in front of me and uh, remove all of their stock so that I can't get one. Uh, but uh, I'm still. I'm still working out the decision-making process on that one. I kind of have enough projects as it is right now, so that's, that's why I um, tend to hold off. I hadn't even really gotten to play with my 3D printer. It's a travesty. It's a travesty that I have not gotten to use my 3D printer to speak of. And with that, actually, uh, it's probably time to get back to my audiobook, The Block Size Wars. Um, you guys are going to love this one. Keep an ear out for that. I'll keep you updated. And if there's anything specific on the website, or any, anything that's not on the website that you want to listen to, don't forget to shoot me a DM and, of course, vote uh, uh, the ones on uh, bitcoinaudible.com vote uh, that, uh, that you want to bump up the list a little bit. I think they're all probably in the works, but, you know, the, the order may be in your hands. A huge thank you to the Bitbox O2 and the Shift Crypto team for sponsoring Bitcoin Audible and making this show possible, and for keeping me fed. Um, and uh, as well as my amazing patrons who have supported me forever, and SwanBitcoin.com/guy for your automatic Bitcoin savings plan. I stack every week, uh, plus I insta-stack insta- uh, basically every time it dips. Check out both of our amazing sponsors at GuySwan.com. And don't forget coupon code Guy for the BitBox02. If you haven't gotten your hardware wallet yet, Guy, G-U-Y, gets you 5% off. Don't forget the coupon code. You don't want to waste sats, precious, precious sats that you don't have to. Discounts are where it's at. All right, um, (laughs) I'm out. Uh, uh, I'll get you another read or a Guy's take. I got a lot of stuff planned this week. Um so stay tuned, don't forget to subscribe. This is Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, everybody, and until next time, take it easy. This has been a 111 production. And you were listening to Bitcoin Audible on the Crypto Economy Network.